I, th- I think it's fair to say that as Christ followers, we know that there are times when a biblical message is corrective. And that was quite often the case as you read a lot of the letters to many of the churches that the, a guy named the Apostle Paul, who apostle just means uh, sent one. It, it, it was God that sent this former legalistic religious zealot at one point in his life wanting to kill Christians because he viewed them as wacky and wrong. But Jesus, literally, showed up, intercepted him. You read the story in, in the New Testament book of Acts in, in chapter 9 if you're interested. And this guy became arguably the, the, the greatest Christian missionary of all time, wrote about half of the New Testament under the direction of the Holy Spirit, we know. But anyway, this guy, Paul, often wrote corrective words that, were, uh, that, were, that he was led to write from the Holy Spirit. Many times in church life, in individual Christian life, there's the, the prompting, the leading, the correction, the, the, the discipline of the Holy Spirit where course correction is needed. And this message may be for some of you that course correction today. But I also believe, and and I know this message will be uh, affirming to many of you who are experiencing, I I trust it will be affirming to everybody in in terms of moving that direction, but particularly those of you who are experiencing and living out the joy of the worship of giving biblically. And then for others of you, this, this really may be new information completely, and that's okay. Way to go for being here. In, in an environment that is outside your comfort zone, maybe. It's courageous of you. Keep asking questions. You owe it to yourself about this thing called Christianity. It's not a religion. It's about knowing Jesus Christ. I invite you all of you, wherever you are in those categories or some other category you might place yourself in relative to this teaching, to just listen to God's Word this morning with an open heart, as I hope we always do and as I personally always want to do in a gathering like this and individually as I engage with God's Word daily. But I'm excited about uh, what a message uh, like this and, and, and uh, particularly our response to God's Word in this area could mean for your life and your future and for the kingdom. As a matter of fact, I told that very thing to this young couple that came and I had the privilege to sit in my office and you'll hear from her at the end of the message today. But as they, they, and I want to steal the thunder, but in response to what they were saying about this area of, of giving and tithing, was, it was, the comment was just, I, I, I'm so excited for what this means for you individually and, and as a couple, as a family, on into your future. Discussion in church about money can sometimes make people feel uncomfortable. Right? I won't ask you to raise your hand. And sometimes, I, I, I believe, maybe more than sometimes, that is because money talk in the context of a Sunday morning or whenever churches meet, has been at times manipulative or pressure has been applied by the preacher. That's not right or God-honoring. 
However, in my almost 34 years of pastoral ministry, I've found that this discomfort, even with uh, biblical and balanced teaching on this topic, can sometimes be because that particular individual is not living in line with God's Word when they know they should be, and as it, as it relates to money. And so when they hear the, the, the giving talk from the Bible, even, even appropriately and lovingly presented, they feel what? Uncomfortable. And understandably. I, I don't recall that I've ever come across a person who is faithfully honoring God in the worship of giving who is against appropriate and loving biblical teaching on this topic in a gathering like this. Oh, there, there may be some, but I haven't had that conversation over the years. Found that interesting. Additionally, thanks for that amen, young person. Additionally, I, I need you to know that and many of you already do, that in the New Testament, this same guy, the Apostle Paul, said that he did not shrink back from teaching the, what he called the whole counsel of God. Acts 20, 27, he said that. Money is an easy one to shrink back from, but the teaching of God's perspective about money is most definitely a part of the whole counsel of God. There's a, there's a great deal there's a lot about money in the Bible. A lot said, a lot written about it. And so as a pastor, I am responsible before God to teach on this in a setting like this. Pastor Ed Young, who pastors a large church uh, that we have visited on one occasion in the States, says that giving is the second greatest theme in the Bible next to salvation. Some of you have heard that before, something similar. Young says, Jesus talked more about the subject than he did about heaven, hell, or prayer. Wow. And when you stop to think about it, 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 it really does make sense that that's the case because of the way money can grip our hearts and begin to control our lives in unhealthy ways, in, in spiritually and relationally destructive ways, actually. I'm excited to teach on this topic also because I know from my own experience and from our uh, experience as a, as, a, as a married couple what it, what it means on a spiritual and practical level in life. And in this area, God says, test me. Pam, come. I want you to hear a snapshot of Pam's story on this topic. Hi, my name is Pam, and uh, Pastor Marlow asked me to give a, a brief testimonial on my experiences regarding tithing, so here goes. My late husband, Peter, and I uh, became Christians in our mid-30s, and previous to that, we had thought that tithing was basically a money grab from the church, and um, that was because we had no idea what was involved in the day-to-day -day running of of a church, you know, the maintenance involved, clearing the snow, the electricity, all the little things, let alone outreach programs, children's programs, all of that. Now, after we became Christians, we became very involved with our church, and, um, and we became aware of these costs that are involved in keeping a church solvent so that it can continue to serve the community. And so we started tithing each week, a little bit more, a little bit more, and we felt good about ourselves for doing so. Uh, but then one day our pastor gave a, um, he gave a sermon on tithing. 
and he quoted Malachi 3.10. I don't know if you read that, but in this book, um, God is frustrated and he's disappointed because the people of Israel are sacrificing or tithing the least valuable of their livestock instead of the most valuable of their livestock or their grains or whatever. And, and, you know, this still happens today when we choose to tithe from the leftovers of our blessings. And um, what God asks us to do is to give his portion back to him before we start spending it. And that's how we thank him. It's how we recognize him and, and recognize that we would have nothing if it were not for him. He says in Malachi 3.10, I quote, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, our pastor told us that this is the one place where God tells us to test him. He doesn't suggest it. He actually tells him, tells us, test me in this. And so our pastor challenged us to test God and see what would happen. So my husband, Peter, and I, we went home, and we decided to go ahead with the test. And we decided that we would tithe 10% of our household income. And then, of course, the conversation went to, is that 10% of the before taxes income or 10% of the after taxes income? And we came to this conclusion. The government taxes us on our gross salary. And the government's not the one that gave us our jobs, that gives us our talents, that gives us our salaries. Unless maybe you work for the government, then maybe they give you your job and your salary. But not your talents. That came from God. God is the one that gives us our talents, that puts the right people in our path so we can um, get our education, get our jobs. God is basically the one responsible for the money that comes into our households. And all he does, all he's doing is asking for us to give a small portion back in order to run his household. That seemed reasonable to us. We came to this conclusion. We thought, okay, we're going to give 10% tithe off our gross household income. This was a really big eureka moment for Peter and I because tithing is not giving money to God. It's merely giving back some of the money that God gave to us in the first place. So we started doing this about 20 years ago, and we've never looked back. I mean, talk about blessings. The more more we gave to God, the more he would shower back on us. And we actually began to be able to predict when our church or when one of our Christian Charities was going to be needing money because all of a sudden money would come piling into our house, whether from an unexpected dividend or sometimes just totally unexpected, like nothing we could have predicted. And, you know, I think God does this for our household because he knows that we will be faithful and we will give back that 10% to help him run his household, his projects. Um, Now, my husband Peter passed away four years ago after a long 16-year relationship with cancer. Um, And God was faithful to us all through Peter's illness. Um, Since Peter has passed away, I've continued to tithe my 10%. And you would think that with only half the income coming in, that my tithing would be halved. But it's amazingly, it's actually probably doubled. Um, God just continues to shower our household with, with money, with blessings. And I've continued to gratefully and gladly return that 10% of all of those blessings that he sends to our household. So my encouragement to you is this. I, you know, if you've not tried this test yet, go ahead and do it. But I do have a caveat. Um, you know, don't do it for the anticipated reward. Um, we should be doing this because it is an act of recognition. It's an act of gratitude 
to God for everything he's done for us. It's, it's an indication of our realization that every good thing we have in our lives is ultimately from God. And, and when we tithe, it's, um, it's a statement to God that we want to ensure his household, the church, remains healthy and strong and able to keep the doors open for, for seekers and believers alike. So, you know, it's truly it's a wonderful feeling to give back to God, and, and I think that should be reason enough to tithe. Um, the financial blessing that follows this good work is merely icing on the feel-good cake. <laughs> so I just want to pray for us for a second here. Dear sweet God, I, I pray that you would bless each and one of our households this year and that we would, with gratitude in our hearts, return some of those blessings to the running of your household. Amen. Thank you, Pam, so much for sharing. Yeah, show your appreciation for her sharing this morning. And just to clarify, that wasn't the closing prayer. Thanks for your willingness to share. Pam is helping along with my wife Miriam uh, in our, to facilitate our uh, church's uh, financial workshop, and you can watch for that six-week uh, session. Uh, I think it's uh, later or sometime in February or, or March. God has a plan for our giving, to keep us free from the grip of materialism and, and to, as you heard in Pam's story, to grow our trust in Him as our provider. And so, a natural question is this, a good question to think about. Who or what do you trust most to have your material needs met? Truly, what do you trust? Who do you trust? Yourself? Your abilities? Your, your, your spouse? Uh, a, a secure job? A good economy? Some of your trust has probably been rattled in the last while. If those are your answers. And if we're going to be faithful to living out what God says about giving, we must also honestly answer the question, where am I, there's a spectrum here, where am I on the spectrum of loving money or living with an attitude of what? Gratitude is a good one. Contentment is where we're going though. Living with an attitude of contentment leads to a style of living that is grateful, though, for sure. Where are you, where am I on the spectrum between loving money, be honest, we live in a materialistic culture, There's sometimes where you have to push back against that. Where am I on the spectrum of between loving money or living with an attitude of contentment? Because contentment is the starting place for living out God's standard of giving. Paul wrote some crucial words in Philippians 4. He said, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, he says, the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he says, I can do all things. On the heels of all that, he says, I can do all things through him, through Christ, who gives me strength. Now, if you've been around Christianity or church long, uh, any length of time probably, you, you may uh, well have heard that phrase, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You may have heard that verse and, and you may have heard it in a lot of different ways, used a lot of different ways in a lot of different contexts for a lot of different reasons by, by Christians. 
What we need to remember is that the primary context of that phrase, of that verse, verse 13, Philippians 4, is about being able to live with a, content, with a contented heart no matter what my financial situation is. That's the context of that phrase. Right. Secondary applications are, are fine uh, most of the time. But again, the context of that verse has to do with me being able to live with a heart of contentment, whether I have lots or little. We think the little is, is harder to do. Maybe. But even though you have great wealth, still does not mean that you have a contented heart. Because it's, it, it is a heart thing. Don't fall into the trap of thinking, well, I'll do better with this contentment thing after I have a little more. It's not the case. And, and notice what Paul said. He, he used the word learned to be content twice in those few verses. It's something we, we have to learn. It doesn't come naturally to most of us to be content. So it's, a, it's a worthy prayer. And I've prayed it over the years for sure and need to continue to do so. So what are you most concerned about? Your standard of living or God's standard of giving? How we answer that tells a lot about our heart's contentment quotient. So, God's standard of giving. It involves at least four characteristics that God wants us to aim for in our giving. Many of you have heard these before, but so, they are so worth reviewing and repeating. So God's standard of giving is, first of all, giving generously. Again, Paul's writing under God's direction in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I'm not going to impromptu call on Jeff Shellert to come and give us a farmer illustration of that right now. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And yes, there are applications beyond money for, that, for, those, for those biblical words, of course. But it's in the context of, of giving that that is shared in, in 2 Corinthians 9. God loves generous giving because it shows a character that is like His own. If you know God, you know He's a giving God. God is a giver. He gave and gives generously. He gave us life and breath. God the Father gave His Son. God the Son gave His life. Heaven gave us the Holy Spirit. And when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, they do what God loves to do. And one of those things is give generously. And again, that looks like more ways than just money, but it includes money. I don't believe that we can claim, I, let me rephrase that, we cannot claim to be an obedient Christ follower, a disciple, a true disciple, and be stingy at the same time. Can't. A disciple is, the word is uh, to be a learner. And when we're a true disciple, we want to become like God. Not in being omniscient and all-powerful, not those things, but character, compassionate, and generous, giving. 
as we're talking about here. Leaning, leaning into generosity shows also that we're growing in trusting God. Becoming like Him in our character, and it shows and gives us an opportunity to grow in our trust of God. Author Henry Nouwen says this, every time I take a step in the direction of generosity, I know I'm moving. This is significant. Listen, he says, I know when I step into generosity, I know I'm moving from fear to love. Profoundly true. Former Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, which is the fellowship we're a part of, our, our former General Superintendent Bill Morrow wrote this in a little booklet, the little book we've made available to you before about generosity. He says, generosity literally moves us from fear. It speaks to the deepest part of who we are and calls us to something higher, helping us overcome the fears of not having enough, not being appreciated, not having control, and not having a God big enough to supply. Whoa. He says, trading love for fear is a bargain we don't want to miss. Dr. Morrill touches on something there, the, the, the fear of not having enough. There's a simple statement about that which, I, which I'm sure many of you have heard, and I want you to, to take it with you this morning in your minds to, to remember this statement as much or more than anything that is said this morning, except for the actual biblical words, of course. But this, the simple phrase, Maybe you had a grandma or a mom or, or somebody who, who, who has said this to you before. I've had somebody say this to me before. She's sitting on the front row over here. It's a great, it's a great little thing. It can, it can be a little trite thing too, but there's, there's meaning, there's truth to it. You can't outgive God. Can't do it. Can't do it. You cannot outgive God. Oh, as we give with of course, the right motive and, and the heart in the right place, obviously. I, I love the message paraphrase of Proverbs 11.24. Listen to this. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. What a great way to phrase that, Solomon. Ah, with Eugene Peterson's help, <laughs> who is, that's a paraphrase of Scripture there. The uh, some, some Bibles, for those that may not be familiar, are, are direct translations, the New King James, the NIV, and, and what have you. Uh, the message is a, is, is a paraphrase of, uh, of Scripture. There's a difference worth, worth noting. But, but I like the phraseology of that. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Moving on. God's standard of giving is also giving systematically. It's giving generously, it's giving systematically. In other words, regularly, in, in, a, in a rhythm to help ensure we don't get off track. It's easy to get off track in good things. And it, this, this whole giving thing, the, the systematic idea of it that we do see in Scripture, in other words, it's not, it, it's not an as we feel like it, or it's not even an as I am able. Or as I feel, I'm able. It's not that kind of thing. God gives a simple directive through Paul again to the Christ followers again, the, the city of Corinth, this, this group of believers there in the city of Corinth that Paul writes to. First, uh, uh, first Corinthians 16, the first part of verse 2, just the simple phrase at the beginning of that verse says, on the first day of the week. 
on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money. He goes on to talk about that. But focus on, on the first day of every week. Systematic. Systematic. The first seven words highlights that aspect of God's way of giving. It's, it's, it's reminding us of a principle here. More than, more than getting focused precisely on the weekly aspect of it, because for Miriam and I, our, our habit of being systematic is, is that typically we, we give monthly. For some business owners, maybe that's quarterly, uh, whatever. But the, the, the point is that this systematic approach to giving is, is, is God's way, giving to God's work is God's way that makes sense because it falls in line with, with the rhythm and the habit of spiritual life that also applies in other areas, in other spiritual disciplines like prayer and God's Word and sharing our faith and meeting together. And these, these things that are systematic for good reason to foster spiritual health. Not to mention that the financial needs, as was referenced in Pam's words, the financial needs of God's work, whether here at home or overseas, do, don't, they, they don't stop and start. And so being involved in God's mission of spreading the gospel, our giving must not stop and start. That's the systematic approach. Giving systematically in regular rhythm also, again, helps to cultivate trust in God as our provider. And I'm saying that more than once intentionally this morning because that's often a challenge. Trust for all of us, I'm sure, in different ways to varying degrees. In other words, if we give systematically, we, we will give even when we may think we can't afford it. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. Please know my heart. But I've heard that many times over the years. It's easier to, to, to respond to that from up here than one-on-one conversation for sure. The very discipline of giving in those times especially, again, gives opportunity for our trust as a Christ follower in God to grow and for us to see, and this is a cool part, for us to see God's provision in some amazing, cool, and creative ways. God is a pretty creative God. Many of you could stand and give stories and testimonies of God's provision in times where you didn't know how you were going to pay the bills that were coming in. We've experienced that at times, of course, over the years as well. God's standard of giving, generous, systematic. It's also proportionate, proportionately. Continuing on in the same verse, 1 Corinthians 16, on the first day of every week, then what's Paul say? Each one of you should set aside a sum of money, here it is, in keeping with your income. In proportion to your income. So we're, we're talking about ratio. We're talking about percentage relative, again, to what we make. But we won't waste time debating whether tithing is Old Testament or New Testament. For those who aren't familiar with that term, tithing, it, it literally means a tenth. Tithing was a system uh, given by God, initiated in the Old Testament. Christians are, are not bound by the Old Testament law and the requirements of the law. And yet, we do see this proportionate giving principle in the New Testament. And if anything, and you probably heard me say this before, if anything, being now under grace uh, in the New Testament as opposed to uh, being under the obligation of the law in the Old Testament, if anything, my giving as a, as a New Testament Christian should, should exceed the percentage laid out as 
really a bare minimum in the Old Testament. Grace always outpaces law. Hmm, food for thought. I recognize that for some of you, the idea of starting to give 10% of your income to God seems very challenging because you've never done it before. And I'm okay with saying baby steps. Maybe for you. That's, maybe it's a 3% start. <laughs> Part of me hesitates saying that, though, because oh, I might have just got myself in trouble. Because what we see in Scripture is, yeah, we can talk about that one-on-one. But you know, my, I, trust, I trust you, you see my heart in this, to, 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 to move that direction, to make a commitment to move that direction of God's standard of giving. There's two things I would say, though, for those that are thinking this, oh, 10%? Wow, how, how can you do that? I can barely make it now. All I can say is two things. First of all, it's biblical. It is. It's biblical. And secondly, I can only speak from my experience and also from many, many believers over the years that I have heard give the same testimony. And it's put this way often, that God can make, and I've experienced it, I live it, God can make the 90% or 80% or whatever it is go further than if we keep the 100%, try to make it work. He can He's able to do that. Nor, normal math does not make, often does not make sense to me. I think I had to stop helping my kids with math on the odd occasion when mom wasn't home and they had to look to dad. Uh, probably around grade five, I, I can't remember, something like that. So math is not, is not my thing. But God's math here, I, I, I get. <laughs> 90% he can make go further when I honor him with the 10% or whatever that is. I know that from experience. God's standard of giving also is giving, finally, cheer, cheerfully. Cheerfully. We, we get to worship when we gather together through giving. In those moments, for those of you that use the website and give online, I hope those moments, I hope you view them as sacred moments of worship because they are. They really are. And if it's just been something you've been doing, or the day when you know that the, auto, the automatic withdrawal happens. Put a note in your calendar. Today's my worship giving day. Like, I'm, I'm being serious. And pause for 60 seconds. Thank you, God, that I can give to your work. Participate in the kingdom work in this way. Do it. Giving cheerfully. Who, who wants to receive a gift from someone who begrudges having to give it, right? I mean, you know as, uh, you know, you know as they're giving it that you're reading their body language and, and you know they, they're thinking about the other ways that they could use the money they spent on the gift for you. And, 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 and I, just for the record, that's hypothetical. I have no one in mind right now on that. But it's kind of a silly thing, but really, why would we think that God would want to receive our giving in a, in a similar way? God says he, he loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9. Not grudgingly or of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. Great, great little verse. Many, many of you have been around this church long enough to witness the blessing of the cheerful generosity of God's people and what it can accomplish or in other good church experiences you've had. 
When you drive onto this church property, you come into this uh, church building, it's because years ago there were people who loved God more than they loved money, and they gave cheerfully. And, and that includes many of you who are here this morning, and you're still giving cheerfully to a cause that brings joy to God's heart, reaching and discipling people. It's what it's about. It's the purpose of this building. It's the purpose of everything we do. Some of you were a part of this church 10 years ago or just over 12 years ago even when we started. If you were, you probably know a man or heard his name, Fred Ton. Passed away a few years ago. But he came to Canada from Germany many years ago as a young man wanting to make a new life and build it on God's ways. And I, I talked with his daughter and son-in-law over the phone in preparation to share this. And he lived through a time when his family had savings evaporate. And he knew what the scripture says. What, how does it go? Is it Proverbs? Uh, wealth can take on wings and, and fly away, something like that. Just, he, he lived that. And so he knew not to set his heart on earthly treasure. Fred did. Fred's example of a giving life has, has had a significant influence on us as a church since he had a key giving role in the establishment of this church in our early, early years. And one of those ways was that he donated the land upon which this church was built. Fred would direct the honor to God, by the way, right now. He's an example of giving generously and cheerfully to God's work through the local church in Canada and around the world and of seeing God's blessing because of it. One of Fred's daughters told me, daughter that I talked to on the phone, uh, told me that she recently had come across a statement that her dad wrote out which indicated just, just how committed he was to this tithing, uh, proportionate giving principle of God's word throughout his life. And I tell you this simply simply as a reminder that this church, this church, by God's grace, thank you, God, was seeded with worship of giving and beyond finances. I, I know that. But in this context for this message, this, we're focusing on the fact that this church was seeded in financial worship and generosity. And many others of you share, have shared and do share and will share in that same God-honoring type of giving that helps to get stuff done for the kingdom. It's awesome. As pastor, my prayer is that that would always be the case for Eaglemont Church. And remember, the church is people. My prayer is that long after I'm gone, these seeds of faithful, systematic, cheerful giving and generosity would continue and would result in increasing influence for the gospel in Beaumont and beyond. Collectively, we get to Keep that alive. So let's do that. Becca, please come. Just before we transition to a time of personal response to God on this biblical topic, um, Nathan is working today, but, but Becca has agreed to, to share uh, briefly their story on this topic. Good morning, everyone. Um, so I'm Rebecca. Uh, and like Pastor Marlow said, my husband Nathan couldn't be here because he's working today. Um, but I'm going to share a little bit about our tithing journey with you this morning. So Nathan and I have been married for two years. Um, and we only started tithing this past November, so only a couple months ago. Um, so over those past two years of being married, we, tithing wasn't something we even talked about or thought about. Um, even though we've been coming to church 
for a very long time. So um, it was just something that we pushed aside, um, that we didn't think about, didn't worry about. Um, personally, for me, it was something that I told myself, I'll start doing that when I'm responsible, when I'm more responsible. I feel like I'm not, not there yet. That kind of was my excuse to get out of that. But as time went on, I started feeling God speaking to me and saying, it's time, time to start tithing. I brought it up with Nathan, and he told me that, you know, you know, God's been saying that to me too. So uh, we kind of, it was kind of funny how that started. We had never talked about it before, something we never thought about. And then all of a sudden, both of us separately were like, you know, it's time. Let's start doing it together. So it came at the perfect time in our marriage because I had just finished my maternity leave um, and I wasn't working yet. So money was pretty tight for us. And every time we sat down to budget, it would cause us to fight because it was just stressful. Um, we got to the point where we were scared of money because it was just always, it always felt like, um, you know, instead of focusing on what we, we, we started to focus too much on what we can't afford and what, that we don't have enough money for things. Um, so anyways, we prayed over the situation and we had a meeting with Pastor Marlowe um, and it was, it was, that meeting was a really good start for us. It was good blessing for us and um, just getting some direction on how to do it. Because that was a, kind of one of our big things. We, we were like, okay, God, you want us to tithe. We had no idea what that looked like or what that meant. So um, it gave us a good sense of direction. Um, even though we've only started tithing in November, it's still a pretty new uh, journey for us, our relationship with money and with God has already changed. Um, kind of like what I said before, instead of focusing on what we can't afford and how much money we don't have, it's changed to God hears our first fruits. You get our first bit of anything that we bring in. Thank you for blessing us with it. And then we make do with what's left. Um, so it's already kind of cool to see how for us, it used to be, you know, we don't have enough money at the end of, at the end of the but at the end of budgeting. We're like, no, now what? We don't have enough. Even kind of what Pastor Marlo was saying was, you know, we've given that ten percent, and that ninety percent has always gotten us to where we need to be. So that's kind of cool how that it's only been a couple months we've already seen that blessing. The other thing is that we came into tithing with no expectations from God. Instead of you know, we're not expecting all these sudden blessings and um, find, to have it financially have more money or um, to have everything figured out right away. Instead, the only thing that we are expecting, the only thing that we know we will receive is peace in knowing that we are doing what God has called us to do as a couple. Um, as a family, we know that we are honoring God and making him first in one of the biggest parts of our lives. So it's been a short journey so far, and we are still figuring it out, but we've already seen and felt the changes that we know um, God is guiding us with. And whatever happens, we're going to be okay because we are honoring what God wants us to do with, with tithing and with giving. So great. Thanks, Becca. Thank you so much for sharing. Significant things said, I'm sure you know, in, in, in both of these testimonies this morning. Thank you so much for your willingness to share, Pam and Becca. So what are, what are we going to do as we wrap up here now in response to what God says in His Word about giving? My friend, you, you will not regret worshiping by God's standard of giving. Students, 
Students, the, the, best, the best time to start this God-honoring giving pattern in your life is, is now. It's never going to be easier. You may not think so, but I tell you, it's never going to be easier. I, I was blessed to grow up in a home where this was lived out and taught and modeled by my parents. The very first bit of money, and I don't say this boastfully, it's just I was privileged to have that, that training and, and input from my parents. And, and so I've never had, as an adult, to make this big shift that I understand must be, that I can't say I understand, it's not been my path. But I, I can imagine it being a very big step if you've, this is new, new territory. And so the courage of Becca and Nathan is just so inspiring today. But the first little bit of money, I mean, you know, a dollar an hour babysitting or whatever it was when I was 14, they, they let me stay with their kids. Anyway, uh, but I, 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 I had the privilege as a teenager to, to start the, the spiritual habit of taking a dime from every dollar and to, to, to give it to God. Adults, with all the demands and your finances these days, you will not, you will not lack by living out God's standard. Okay. Satan may try to derail this in your life, but God will be faithful. Cool to hear that already. He's identifying some of those things, Becca. And so we've seen that God's Word gives clear and specific direction about this giving of worship. Jesus said, those who love me, obey what I say. He does. He says that straight, concise, clear. Here's an opportunity. And so I want us to close by taking a couple of minutes and I'm going to ask Jackie and, and Tanya just to come and play very quietly, uh, instrumentally, as we, as we pause for a few minutes of personal prayer. We're together, but it's, it's personal prayer time. Or maybe it's you and you're here with your spouse and you want to just chat and pray together about this and, and pray as God leads you. Ask God to, by His Holy Spirit, bring to your mind that whatever part of this message or God's Word on the topic that He wants to, 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 to have you uh, respond to or set in motion. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's what Becca said. Maybe it's like, God, we, we don't know. Guide us. Help us to take a step to connect with somebody who can, who can help us. So I want us to take a couple of minutes. We're going to pray. I want to ask you to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in response. Where, wherever you are at in your pattern, in, your, in the spectrum of, of, of giving to God's work and to God in worship, take, take time to pray right now.